Hi guys, I'm Sruthi. And I'm Haley. And we are Mirror Mirror. Hello! Welcome to season two of Mirror Mirror, hopefully a featuring a semi-normal pandemic recovery year. Hope every one of you had a great summer. And as we head back into the full swing of in-person school in the fall, we wanted to dedicate this first episode for this season to talk about mental health and wellness. And we have a not so surprising guest star, Amanda Fisher. Hi, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be back like a second time. The first time, so amazing, I'm so honored. Um, I have been really fortunate um, to have the experiences that I've had um, revolving around mental health in my life, um, both in like my personal life and in my professional goals. Um, I've been a very lucky recipient of therapy <laughs> throughout a lot of my life, um, just to help me through some of those rough times as I did have a little bit of a troubled start. But um, yeah, I've really loved the experiences that I've had and I hope to one day become a child psychologist myself. So I'm super psyched about this topic. It's something that I've had a lot of experience with and I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. All right, so today we'll be talking about mental health as a whole and like positive coping mechanisms we've learned to keep us on our feet. Um, mental illness is like a factor in one's mental health and these topics might help someone who's struggling. However, to be mentally, well, if you're not mentally ill, these practices can still be integrated into your life. So I don't want to say mentally ill is the same as mental health because it's not, it's under the umbrella. And though it's not often looked at as the same, mental health is just as important as physical health. Yeah, so definitely agree. It's very important to make that distinction. So there's actually like a lot of different factors that kind of contribute to mental health problems, which is like a combination of like biology. So your genes and brain chemistry, your life experiences, such as like trauma and abuse, and then your family history, as well as cultural and familial pressures. So it's definitely really important to have positive mental health because this allows a lot of people to cope with a lot of these stressors in their lives and be able to actually work productively and realize full potential. And I think one of the main, like most important things to me is like actually being able to contribute meaningfully to your community because like without good mental health, you can't really be a positive contributor if you're like struggling with everything internally on your own. I just want to hop in and say that I love that we are talking about this. Um, mental health for a really long time, especially when we were kids, was like a taboo topic. It was like not something that was discussed. I didn't learn that it was a factor of my health, even though I was in therapy until I was like in my teens. Um, and so even now, like the words mental illness can have a very negative connotation when really it's an aspect of health and everyone can benefit from improving their mental health, even if they don't suffer from any mental illnesses, as Haley mentioned earlier. And also mental illness does does not necessarily mean that someone is like really unfit or has like a lot of problems in their life when because it can be the same as like physically if you have a cold you're ill <laughs> mentally <laughs> if you have something like anxiety or depression or or any um diagnosis you can be labeled as mentally ill but you can still be fully functioning and so I think that's really important to note yeah I love that um, so we're going to start off by talking about our um, cognitive disor 
distortions. Amanda, do you wanna explain what a cognitive distortion is? Yes, so I became familiar with cognitive distortions through a CBT-focused ther therapy group that I attended. Um, CBT is a cognitive behavioral therapy, and in my experience, it has involved breaking down um, thoughts and figuring out how to um, adjust more maladaptive thoughts to become more functional. Um, maladaptive thoughts are things that negatively impact your life and um, can lead to negative behaviors. So um, cognitive distortions are a great example of maladaptive thought patterns. Um, this means that they do not serve us in a positive way and they often make life um, more difficult for us in more ways than one. Um, specifically, cognitive distortions include polarized thinking, overgeneralization, catastrophizing, personalization, mind reading, mental filtering, discounting the positive, should statements, emotional reasoning, and labeling. Um, we have a lot of sources, <laughs> links, where you can explore these for yourself. Um, I'm pretty sure that if you're a normal person, you do at least one of these. Um, a lot of people do more than one of them at some point in their life. Um, but it's interesting to sort of note them and recognize them when they're there. It can lead to, you know, a lot more positive outlook on life. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, it was really funny, actually, because I didn't really think about cognitive distortions and like naming them until I went to like a workshop at NIH this summer. And it was like so interesting to me to see like how many of them I actually do. Um, because like we were kind of saying earlier, like I feel like mental health is definitely really stigmatized. And like, I was always the type of person who was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I don't like hate myself. So like, it's not something I really need to like put so much energy into. But yeah, it was like really interesting to see and like gain perspective on like some of my relationships with people and like my relationship with myself based on like these distortions. Um, so yeah, if, if you haven't like heard of them, I definitely recommend like looking at the worksheet we're going to link because it's like really insightful to kind of put your situations or your thoughts like into the context of these like different distortions and see like, oh, like recognizing that this is like, I don't know, personalization or this is like catastrophic thinking. Because I think one thing that really stuck with me through everything I've been learning this summer is like you are not your thoughts. So your thoughts like are separate from who you are and sometimes they're like automatic negative thoughts so like it's kind of cool to be able to recognize that and name that because it definitely helps in the long run at least like for me this entire summer um so one thing like i feel like i do a lot is i do personalization where i like blame myself a lot for things that might not necessarily be my fault or maybe out of my control especially with like a lot of my relationships because things have been like really shifting over COVID. And I learned that to like manage this, it's good to kind of think about a situation objectively and examine the evidence of what really happened. Um, because oftentimes like when you're thinking about yourself in the situation, it's hard to separate like objectively like what happened versus like your emotional reasoning. And honestly, just like empathizing with yourself or like empathizing with myself, I feel like it helps me to kind of like think of myself as a friend because I know like I definitely would not say a lot of the things I said um, to a friend like that I said to myself. So yeah, that's personalization is definitely something that like I've been working on a lot and even a lot of these other things too. We love self-compassion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it was this summer when we were talking about cognitive distortions when I first like thought of like a label and like reflected on like how I work. And I think my biggest one is, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Amanda did a good. 
Can you say it again? Catastrophizing. Yeah, that's like a they good catastrophizing. Word. Catastrophizing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I can read it. I just <laughs> don't understand how to say it. <laughs> but yeah, so but basically, it's when someone assumes the worst of a situation when faced with the unknown. And I like constantly imagine like a scenario and like how it would play out, like like dialogue and everything. And I'll get like really anxious until the event, and then the event will happen. And it doesn't play out any way I thought it would. And it actually 90% of the time plays out a lot better. And so my thought is that like, if I can just like look back and think about the times when it did play better, I can actually like calm myself down before the event that is going to happen in like the future, because I can like remind myself that it's probably not going to be the worst that my brain's telling me it's going to be, and it's actually going to be like 10 times better than I think. And so if I could just keep reminding myself like those positive memories and thoughts, then I can try to change that like catastrophe mindset that's going on. Yeah, I kind of just wanted to like jump in there real quick because like hypothetical scenarios, man, they get me all the time. It was actually so funny. My friend told me something that was like super insightful to me is like, well, I guess this is kind of anxiety, so we'll maybe touch on it later. But like, I thought it was interesting how she thought of it because she was like, oftentimes it's like just like fear playing with your imagination. And like, that's what happens with all my hypothetical scenarios. It's like, I'm so fearful of like the worst outcome. And then it just ends up in me dialoguing like something in my brain that's going to happen. And it's like, it's so hard to not like fall into that and like, just like space out. So I'm so proud of you yeah. for like working on that. <laughs> Thanks. It's it's hard, but I'm, I'm getting there. It's getting better. Yeah, I really love that you mentioned like finding the evidence that these things have happened before and they've been okay. That's a really big and good coping skill, especially when it comes to combating cognitive distortions. Um, there, there's a variety of like cognitive distortion specific um, challenging like behaviors. Like you can write like um, a real or fact, like like a fact column and then an opinion column for yourself and be like okay what are the facts that I'm thinking about what are the opinions that I'm thinking about what do I know has happened versus what do I what am I assuming and um that can be really helpful especially in those situations um there's a whole bunch more I'm a fan of distractions those can be really helpful or like redirecting energy um but we'll get there when we get to coping mechanisms for me specifically with cognitive distortions I personally have struggled the most with uh, mind reading throughout like my entire life I always assume that like people have this idea of me in my in their brain like I do something and I just automatically like oh my goodness this person must think this this way of me now like they must think that I'm the worst person ever I must be an awful human like like they everyone thinks that I'm terrible and all this other stuff and like really that's one that's also one of the ones where I have to find myself constantly like look at the evidence did this person say I'm a terrible human no did this person like violently come at me and try to destroy me no so evidence per evidence here is that they don't hate me as much as I think they do because they would if they did I would be in a fight right now and I'm not 
So, <laughs> so um, that just sort of like bringing in that sort of rational side of things into the emotions is um, really important. Um, this is something that I was actually recently talking with a therapist about where um, we talked about the emotional mind versus the reasonable mind and how you can go too far in either direction. And so in the middle, it's like a Venn diagram. And in the middle is something called wise mind. And so if you take your emotions and you recognize them but then you also recognize your reasonable and rational side you can come together to make informed decisions that help you lead your best life um there are definitely ways that you can go off in both directions like you can over explain something to yourself to make it make sense which is too far rational or you can act just on impulse which is too far emotional but sort of finding that balance in between is important that's yes. really interesting yeah that's a really interesting point and something like i've also been reading about is how like evolution plays a piece as well so like where like many years ago, the stress response was like mainly for survival. And so now we tend to, like when we stress, we tend to over-exaggerate things and our brain just like goes into overdrive. Um, so when like thoughts pop into our brain, it's really important to like not suppress them, but just like acknowledge them and move on instead of just um, giving them attention. I like <clears throat> the way that you brought that up because like it, it is really important to acknowledge like in the past if a bush rustled the person couldn't take the time to be like oh i'm sure that's not a tiger like that's actually a bunny no it, there's a very good likelihood chance of that being a tiger and that person needs to run and so that benefited us a lot over like our evolutionary term um i think it's also really important to mention that these emotions do serve us now they are telling us something and even if they're too strong for us to bear at the moment like it's okay to sort of move on from them at that time but it is still something important that i've learned to like come back and process. Also, I just want to put it in here. I'm not an expert. So if anything that I says don't apply to anybody, like it's my personal experience that I'm speaking from. I well, haven't. We're like, all not experts. <laughs> it's all a, it's personal experience and stuff we've learned. So yeah, none of us are therapists. <laughs> Although we act like we are, but we're not. <laughs> okay. It, it helps when you focus on, it it's helps. important to focus on mental health, not just when it's bad. And it's also good right correct oh and yeah i just i guess to like kind of cite that that was from dan howell's book like you'll get through this night that Haley recommended to me and it's I such a good so. read. <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> if you like don't know where to start with like learning more i would say like read his book it's such a good like thoughts and tips type thing um mm -hmm. but yeah okay um we're gonna kind of like shift to um, emotional now. Um, so like the emotional state of mind and, um, I guess, Amanda, do you kind of want to, I guess, either define that or explain like sure. what that means in terms of mental health? Yeah, I can do that for you guys. Um, I, like I said, I just recently was talking to um, a therapist about this. And so when we're in a really emotional state of mind, we can feel very impulsive. The emotions can feel very big. They can feel overwhelming and they can cause us to do things that we wouldn't necessarily do otherwise. You're not thinking rationally. Um, you're not you're not in the wise mind state. You're not, you're not taking the rational side of things with the emotional side and like combining them. Instead, you're purely focused on what's going to make me feel better right now. And um, yeah, a good example of that would be like, for me, anxiety is a thing. When I'm really anxious, I sometimes need to people please. 
<laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I have to go bake everyone cupcakes right now or else everyone in the world's going to hate me. When in reality, like I had an assignment I had to do, why am I baking cupcakes? Like that's not a rational decision. So um, those types of things would be categorized under like the emotional side. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Haley's enlightened. <laughs> do, you, do you relate? <laughs> Yeah, well, I always tell myself that, like, even if I have a project due, that, like, if I need to take a break and, like, watch a movie, then it's fine. But maybe it's not fine. I it depends. I, I mean, are you taking the break in the movie because you're really overwhelmed and you need a second? Or is that just, like, an impulse sort of, like, like, it depends on what the benefit and the consequence like I right. still think I think taking breaks when you're doing assignments is fantastic I think that that's a great idea your brain cannot keep going for that much time forever Unless but um me. if it's like if it's like every time you sit down to do this one assignment you're gonna mm -hmm. like go to Netflix and you know that like you cannot do this assignment without going to Netflix first like that's where it would sort of get into those maladaptive patterns that you'd have to sort of like is this really what's best for me right now is this going to be the best decision versus okay. like if you go to Netflix for 30 minutes and then come back that's like a completely healthy and actually really good for you like break taking strategy mm, yeah that's good I need to learn how to take more breaks guys did I ever tell you guys that um my freshman year for finals I studied for eight hours straight and didn't go get lunch or anything. I just like got breakfast at like 11 a.m. Oh, and then no. I went to like Clarice. I don't know how you function. You and then starving? I did that. And then Welcome because I was like, I want to go to out function. tonight. So because we were going out to like some fencing party that night or something. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take my break at the end. Like when I get to go to this. Oh, as in a reward. <laughs> Dude, we need to eat food. Like your physical health was probably not great because you hadn't eaten. Yeah. I don't know I like stopped I, I think I went I got like a banana or something so I okay. ate like in the middle but it was so weird because like I was like fine at like 7 p.m I was like oh my gosh eight hours but oh no maybe maybe it was fine because I ended up switching locations so I was able to walk like with my friends okay like, different places so that is like a little break yeah. but it was still pretty much you kept going I'm yeah. impressed with your your feet there that is actually pretty <laughs> like yeah wow. I was in overdrive way to be on yourself at that we'll get <laughs> you and I are gonna have a topic we're gonna have a conversation about that later because I need to, to not take as many breaks as I do so maybe we can like find a happy <laughs> balance. Life about balance um yeah but yeah I I think it's really important to not make any big decisions in a super emotional state <clears throat> in a super emotional state because like feelings pass and change. And so like with texting, for example, if you're gonna like text someone like a huge paragraph or something, which is something I tend to do a lot, um, it's really good to like just leave it for a day and come back to it and see if you like feel the same way about it. Um, because take it from someone who like is very bad at leaving things I'll just like look at it for an hour and then be like all right I'll send it and then like the next day be like why did I send that I, I really don't feel that way um so yeah definitely recommend if it's a big thing like leave it for a few hours or like a day and see how you feel at a different point in time because like emotions I think emotions is definitely something I've been struggling a lot with this summer in terms of like my personal relationships and so it's hard to not like give into that and like be like, 
I want to like yell at this person or like I want to text them in anger or like in sadness type thing love that you said that that is like oh my god okay Haley can attest to this because I recently had to make a very big decision um I have had some regular health struggles and some mental health struggles recently and um I had I had some doctors recommend a treatment plan for me that I wasn't necessarily very happy about and so instead I, I had to ask them I had to be like I need three days and my answer to them changed about 12 times in those three days whether or not I was gonna do it and I'm pretty what? sure like every day Haley got a drastically different result from me and I was like I'm gonna do it and then the next day I was like I'm not gonna do it and then the next day I was like I'm gonna do it and then eventually I was like no I'm not gonna do it yet but I'm gonna do it later and um it was just a very like giving yourself time to process those things is super important especially in big decisions um for emotions specifically with like interpersonal relationships i also think it's important to give yourself an outlet um like it's really hard to walk away from like you wanting to yell at someone that's a super valid feeling and even though you might rationally know okay if i yell at this person that's not going to help anything but I can't put that feeling away. If you bottle up that feeling, that's not good for you either. So sort of finding a way for me, my family has a punching bag in our garage. And let me tell you, that thing has gotten used. When I want to yell at someone, that's where I'll go. I'll be like, all right, I have to get this energy out somehow. So that way I can go back to this person and explain to them calmly why I didn't like what they said. So before I do that, because I know that I'm going to say some things I might regret, we're going to go and get all this angry energy out by punching this punching bag as many times as I can. And then we go back to the situation. So um, yeah, love that. Love like redirecting your energy, finding something else to focus on just for a little bit to let your, your sort of those psychos, um, the physiological symptoms just sort of go down a little bit because, you know, when your heart's racing, when you're hearing the blood pumping in your ears and you're like, oh, I'm so angry that that like fight or flight's kicked in, you're not going to really be thinking as rationally as you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, I will also share that Amanda got that from me when I was on my run and I was very like upset about like something and I like did not want to talk to this person like at all forever and I was like I I literally yelled at Amanda in the car just crying and I was like and then like literally now I like am talking to this person like fine and like I appreciate her friendship so like or like I don't know, like, we're on a talking basis again, so, like, hey, I'm proud of you, thank you, yeah, Yeah. um, but, yeah, it's, so definitely don't make any big decisions when you're in that state, because, like, it's, it's so, it's so hard to, like, sort it all out, um, and even with that, like, like I said, something, it can't be unsaid, yeah, exactly, and, like, even with that, like, it's okay to go to someone who's, like, like a support system like maybe we might go into it later but like like with me like when I was upset with this person I went to like Amanda and like cried it out hugged it out um because she's like very removed and like very supportive so like it's okay for you to do that too like as long as you're not screaming or yelling or crying at the person you're like angry with and like you're going to someone you trust as your support system who like knows you're upset and like can like kind of just be there for you in that state like that's also okay which I think kind of also goes into Haley's next point (laughs) yeah I was about to say that's what I was thinking I was gonna say that it's like okay to cry I know some people feel like they have to be like strong and put up like a brave face all the time but like if you bottle up your emotions like all the time one day it's just gonna break 
It's just going to expose it all at once. And that's going to be a whole nother mess. And if you just cry at the time of need and just like get it out when you need it, I think you'll be better off in the long run. Just go to that person, like Shruti said, and just like cry to them or cry, cry in your room for a bit, come out after, be like, okay, I'm good now, then move on with your day. Um, and just just know that it's okay to like express that emotion. It's also okay to like express other emotions other than like happiness all the time. Happiness is not your only emotion. You don't have to act like you're happy if you're not. So, I mean, if you've seen for work, out. yes, I understand like being a server, put on a fake smile, whatever, but it's okay not to feel happy and yeah. it's okay to cry. Yeah, I think I'm a big like proponent of like, let yourself feel your emotions. Um, it's actually something I've like, to be real honest, I like I've been struggling with this summer is like, because like I've been in a few like conflicts with people. I've like sometimes questioned myself in my like feelings and I've been like, well, am I allowed to feel this way? Like I literally told my therapist, I was like, yeah, like I don't know if I wanna talk to this person about this issue yet because I don't know if I'm ready because I feel like I'm not allowed to feel the way I'm feeling. And like, I thought it was, it's really insightful to kind of hear that like, you can hold two truths. Like you can like empathize and like feel for another person, but your feelings like also matter. Um, so just give yourself the time to feel those feelings. It doesn't have to be like in the moment if you're somewhere like, but definitely like at some point in your day, um, I actually read this book like called Tuesdays with Maury. I think it's also, it's also a mu movie that like I need to watch, but like I really liked how he was saying about emotions. Like um, he gave himself a certain amount of time in the day to just like feel the sadness or like feel the happiness. And it's like, once you recognize that, like, oh, this is what makes me sad. This is what makes me happy. This is like what I'm feeling right now. You know that you can like, kind of like a vest, you know that you like, you won't feel that way forever. And you can like switch to other emotions as well. Okay, I have like two things. So. First off, so proud of you. That realization is something that like a bunch, like I, I've recently started talking to a couple of new therapists, um, just, you know, to, to figure life out because it's been a stressful year. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them is very like the duality of like, like two things can exist at the same time. And like, that is like a very big point for her. And I just love that that's like a conclusion you've come to for yourself. Like, that's amazing. And I love that. And I love that belief. That, like you can be really angry and still not want to upset this person. Like you can, you can feel this way and still want to achieve this thing. And like, things are not always going to be separate. I also think it's really, really important to note that feelings are neutral. There is no good feeling and there is no bad feeling. Like, yes, you can feel bad, like physically, you can, you can feel good physically, you can feel negative about feeling sad, but sadness in itself is not a negative thing. It's not a bad thing. Sadness is telling you something. It's letting you know that you need to do something, or it's, it's letting you know that there is something wrong about a situation that you're in. And so emotions do serve a purpose for us, even if they're not the purpose we necessarily want them to serve. Like, let's say, I don't know. Uh, you burned your hand on a stove and you're like really mad at yourself because you burned this hand on your stove so you don't even think about washing your hand you're like so mad at yourself the madness tells you that okay I did something wrong I got really hurt I'm very angry about this but it's not serving you because it's not letting you go to ice your hand so like figuring out a way to acknowledge those emotions while still letting them serve you and still letting them like 
notify you about what's up like oh yeah this anger is telling me that I really hurt myself I should probably go address that versus like sitting in the anger and letting it take you over is something that I think is really hard to learn but so helpful once you get there yes that was very well said <laughs> thank you yeah wow good yeah good I'm very note. passionate about this as we can tell yeah no that's it's important it's good that's why we yeah. have you here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like interesting to me. Like, I don't know. I feel like something I've been like kind of dwelling on lately too is like the like overlap between like thoughts and emotions. Like, because you don't want to have them like so separate from each other that you're not like thinking about one like versus the other. But you also like don't want to, I don't know. It's like, it's very complex because you want to have a healthy balance, you know? And it's like so hard to kind of like understand until you kind of go through the experiences and like, I don't know. That's why I really love the ABC model. I think I've talked to you guys about it before where it's activation, then your belief, which is like your thought about it. And then the consequence or so you have like an activating event, which is like, I don't know, your shoe fell off in the subway. Um, and then your thoughts about that, your beliefs, like, are you going to immediately jump into one of those cognitive distortions saying that, like, this says something about you as a person, you're an awful person, you always forget things, yada, 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 that belief or that distortion is going to cause you to feel really sad. And now you're going to cry. And that's your consequence. Versus if you change your beliefs about that, and if you say, okay, I lost my shoe, I believe that that was something really unfortunate, that kind of sucks. But it's also kind of funny because who loses their shoe in the subway? And sort of changing your beliefs about the situation and viewing it as something comedic versus something like devastating can really affect how the consequences are. Like maybe you're a little irritated later today, but overall you have a funny story to tell your friends. Smart. And like looking back and reviewing those thought processes and finding out like, especially in social situations, like, oh, if this thing happens socially, these beliefs come up for me and this is how I react because of those beliefs. And just sort of like, you're right, they all go together and they all intermingle. And like the thoughts that you have affects the emotions you have later on. And then the emotions you have affects the behaviors you do later on. And just sort of, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is amazing, guys. Wow, yes, agree. Yeah, so next we're gonna kind of talk about like the social aspects. So again, Amanda, I'm gonna let you define this because you're just on a roll right now. <laughs> I told you guys before we started, I was like, I'm just gonna go off. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there are a lot of different aspects of social life. Actually, there are such thing as interpersonal therapists, people who specialize in relationships between you and other people. Um, fun fact. But so those people who have a lot of difficulty either connecting with other people or expressing themselves to other people or, <laughs> or, um, you know, just in general, having difficulty being in a social setting could really benefit from those specialists who have a lot of experience with interpersonal therapy. I um, have focused a lot on my social abilities for a really long time. That's something that I really struggled with. Um, so I have a lot of experience working with therapists specifically on my interactions with other people. I wasn't, I actually didn't know that interpersonal therapists were a thing until recently though. And I thought that that was super cool as well. And that affects every like, like, aspect of your relationship, your relationships with your family, your relationships with your friends, your relationships with acquaintances, with bosses, all of those kinds of things, because all of those relationships bring with them a different sort of environment and a different, like, different thought patterns and different things that you believe about yourself in different situations. So it's, it's definitely a really interesting field to, like, 
a subset of the mental health is discovering how you are socially, like how, how is your mental health affected by social situations? Yeah, wow, that's so insightful because I didn't know about interpersonal therapists until like this moment. So that's like really cool. And I'm kind of proud of you too, because I remember in our 20s episode, you like mentioned wanting to work on like your interpersonal relationships. So that's really cool. Like, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I guess like my first thought with social was like, it's okay to lean on other people for support. Um, so it can be really hard to let people be there for you, especially like when everyone else also has such busy lives. So I feel like this kind of like goes into like the circles of support system. Um, Kaylee, if you want to kind of elaborate there. Oh, I always have like the metaphor, if you will, of us um, circles of support system or like rings of people. So like you have your closest like network of friends that you can like rely on like 24 seven, but then you have people that are further back that might be for different situations. So yeah, so I was going to piggyback on Truthy and said, say that like, even if it's just like one person, you should find this one person that you can like trust to like support you. And that person can range from anyone from being like your parent, guardian, friend, mentor, or even like a therapist. And like, though it's ideal to have at least like one friend you can trust, I understand like you might not be in that situation but if you're not you might want to consider some new friends but that's a conversation for like another time just understand uh, that you're not like alone and there's always going to be someone that wants to be there to help you and support you in times of need or just like to be around you in general I have some thoughts about what you guys have said so I love that you guys have mentioned like utilizing a support system and utilizing the people that are like around us because that is so important and especially like a lot of people who struggle with different kinds of social anxiety who have struggled with like different different difficulties and social situations can find it hard to recognize that there are people who want to be a shoulder for you to lean on who want to hear what's going on and like who are, are willing to be there for you because they care about you and when a person cares about you that can be really scary because it's scary to be vulnerable it's scary to let them know what's going on with you and so sort of opening up in that way is so important and I love that you guys mentioned that I do also want to say that there is a balance to that however because your friend can't be your therapist <laughs> as much as as much as you might love that friend and as much as that friend might be so helpful to you it's also important to recognize that if they are not a mental health professional you can't expect that level of care from them and if that's something that you need you should definitely reach out to those kinds of people um I, and I also think that like having more than one person is amazing um I will say Haley has come up in a lot of my therapy recently as like my favorite person because um she has created a really safe space for me to just exist and she's been helping me a lot which is like a lot of those anxieties that I've had for a really long time, I find myself like it's specifically with you two together, like in the car the other day, I was like, wow, this is like the most safe I think I've ever felt around people. And I was like, that's so amazing. Um, just to like have that sort of safe space. So it's definitely something that I would strive to, to get. Like Haley said, it's not always something that you can find organically. It might be something that you have to like seek out, especially in the therapeutic setting. Um, but yeah, lean on the people that are around you because they care about you. Otherwise they wouldn't be around you. Facts. I have a few different thoughts on this as well. Cause I think like when me and Haley were talking about this, that was also one of the main things I was thinking about is like the balance and like 
having a spread out support system because like you can't expect like everyone to kind of drop what they're doing every second for you or like always like talk to you about everything um and it's kind of hard especially like if you're feeling something like in the moment um and you want someone and it's also okay to reach out like people who you might not be like super close with like honestly me and amanda at the beginning of the summer like we weren't like i i wouldn't have like talked to you about my issues as much as i talk to you about them now in like i don't know a few months ago um and i feel like we like were really able to like reconnect this summer because like I felt like when I was struggling, like you and Haley were like the two people I like was like, okay, I'm just going to reach out. Like, even though I don't know, I haven't seen Haley in a while, or even though like, I haven't like really talked to Amanda in a while. And yeah, that's another thing. Like tell your friends you appreciate them because like, like for their time, especially if they're like people you're leaning on. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's really hard. I, I know like from personal experience, like I don't want to tell people when things are like wrong, especially like if I feel like I'm like a burden or like maybe I can't really go there but it's okay to just like have someone to talk to and like lean on them in that sense and like yeah definitely like that balance of like finding different people to go to like maybe if one person isn't available or like they're available later like kind of table it and see if you can talk to them later about it um and yeah just like another thought I had was like with what you were saying about vulnerability because I've been reading like about that as well too. And it's really important and it kind of ties back to balance because it's really important to have a balanced relationship with vulnerability because like you have to know what situations you can be vulnerable in and what situations you can't be vulnerable in. And it's like kind of only with experience you kind of figure that out. And like something I was reading actually was saying that like you don't want to put too much vulnerability into a relationship and make it feel like you're like, counting on someone or needing them to help like you feel better um and it was like really insightful to me because it was like something I reflected on like with my past relationship too in terms of like when you're supposed to be vulnerable and like when it's okay to kind of like step back from that person and like take charge of your own life or like maybe like just like I think it was actually talking about like the anxious like partner or something like who always like needed something or was in a bad place and like the other person was like just like trying to distance themselves because of like um they just like didn't want to deal with it all the time and the book was saying like well maybe instead of like one person chasing the other person that one person can like be become distance themselves like focus on their own life like go to their own support system so like th in that sense that's what i mean with like knowing where you can place your vulnerabilities because like if one person is kind of distancing themselves, it's okay to kind of like take time for yourself and like figure out who else to go to or like where and when you can share. So yeah, I just, I kind of wanted to touch on that. <laughs> there are two things that I think are really important about what you just said. So I think that what you're talking about is less about vulnerability and more about emotional pressure that you're putting on the other person. Oh. So you're putting the pressure on them to be there for you because like you are in such a vulnerable state that you're you're using that sort of like, you need that reassurance, you need that sort of thing. So you're, you're putting that emotional pressure versus um, Renee Brown actually does a lot of really amazing TED Talks. I um, listen to her podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't know if you'd done that or not, but she does a lot of really amazing TED Talks specifically on vulnerability and how like allowing yourself to be vulnerable is a really impactful and important thing. And so I think it becomes less 
about yourself, allowing yourself to be vulnerable and live without like shaming yourself and more about how um, you don't want to set expectations and, and these rules for these other people that they're always going to be there for you and like pushing your vulnerability on them versus just allowing yourself to be in a vulnerable state and not having those expectations for people. And that can be really difficult, especially if you've opened yourself up to someone and you're expecting them to open your, themselves up to you now too. Like we all have expectations that we live with on the daily. And so part of becoming vulnerable though is allowing those open spaces to exist. Like letting that happen and being like, okay, I'm gonna open up to this person and they don't have to say anything. And that is an extremely vulnerable place to be. And that is terrifying to think about. Um, and so I think that vulnerability is actually really an amazing, amazing thing that like is to strive for <laughs> in my mind. But um, oh, last thing, you also said something about feeling like a burden. And that is something that I have struggled with my entire life. When I hear the word burden, I honestly start tearing up. Like I get upset when I hear that word. And so I am just here as someone who has spent years of therapy trying to overcome this, to tell everyone, you are not a burden. You are in this world to take up space. And it is something I have to remind myself of, but taking up space is okay. You are a living, breathing human. It is not in any way, like no shape or form or way should you be like trying to not take up space. Like, please live your life, take up the space you need. You are not a burden, please. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a Brene Brown real quick. Say it again, Amanda. Say it again. I need to hear that again. <laughs> Y'all are not a burden. It is okay to take up space. That is like top. Like if you only learn one thing from today, top thing to learn. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, um, one thing that Ashruti was talking reminded me of is that Though I said, like, you know, have that one person, that's, like, you're, you're minimal. <laughs> um, if, <laughs> if you um, can help it. But the ideal, in my experience, is to know what type of friend can support you and what type of aspect. So, like, you have different friends for different um, purposes and know what they can, like, give to you and what they can do to support you and who you can lean on for what situation and what part of life so like you know you might have one friend that's like all there for fun and maybe they're like a great distractor and so you can get out of the house with them and stuff like that and clear your head with them but you probably can't have like deep conversations with them so you need someone else so that someone else might not be someone that you can go party with, but they'll sit down on the couch and just like listen to you. And when I say listen, that also reminds me like part of being like a good friend and supporter is like active listening and just like know to just like keep quiet, know when to like give advice, but no, or not to give advice. So like they might just need someone to vent to. They might not be looking for advice. Know when to like, just keep your mouth shut a bit and just like listen to them and just be like there as like a physical like person <laughs> you know um and I don't think you can know I think that's a communication thing like it's important to ask them be like yes you right you're right it is a communication right. thing and so I think you need to talk to that person ask um like do you do you want me to sit here or do you want me 
are you looking for advice? And that, that brings up, you know, like that opens the conversation to where you stand and what you're looking for in that conversation and what they're looking for from you and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. I think just to reemphasize Haley's point, please ask like your friends, like what way you want them to be or what way they want you to be there for them. So like, if someone's really upset, ask them like, do you want advice or do you just want an ear to listen to? Because it's something I really wish I had done like in some of my other relationships. And even the whole like fr different friends for different things, I think that's really important um, to like kind of talk about because something like I was struggling a lot with earlier this summer when I was like evaluating my friendships was like, I feel like I was putting too much pressure on myself to find like this perfect person or like find this person who just clicks like on every aspect with me. And like, that's just, that just doesn't exist. Like everyone's there for like, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses and you're never gonna find someone like exactly like you or like who can do everything that you need them to do. So like, it's okay to kind of, it might take time to like figure out what a person can give to you and what you can give to them. But like, once that dynamic is like kind of established, like it's okay to branch out and like find other people in places like that, that one person might not fill. Um, and this kind of goes into my point about like how there's always like two people in every relationship. So like everything that happens in a relationship, it's not always going to be solely your fault. Again, like tying it back to personalization. And it's something like I've been learning to accept is like, there's always going to be like two perspectives, two truths, like di two different experiences. Um, so it's important to kind of like think about that too. Um, in terms of like what everyone can give you and like what you can accept and be okay with and what you want to like bring up when like there's conflict and stuff. And um, also another point that like Haley was kind of talking about, which I thought was important is like active listening and empathy. I actually like, I did like a mental health chat site last summer where I volunteered and like just like volunteered as an active listener. And it was like so insightful because I had never really like done anything in the span of like mental health in the mental health field and like volunteering for that really showed me that like a lot of human emotions are like the same like people like struggle with the same things the same topics. And I think that also I just wanted to bring that up because it goes back to the point of like you're never alone there's always going to be people like who are feeling the same way you feel or like have been through what you've been through and it's okay to like either if you like go to your support system with your friends or even like, like I was saying, like this chat site, like I've had, even though there were like rough conversations, there was also like so many where people were like, thank you. Like, this is exactly what I needed right now. So like, it's okay to kind of figure out and like reach out for that, like active listening. If that's what you need, like you just need someone to listen to you versus like offering you advice or something. Love that. I just want to point out your language, like the language that you've been using. I love as someone who like wants to like work with kids and like has been really looking a lot into developmental psychology, acknowledging people's differing strengths and weaknesses, so important. Also just wanna throw it back, you again mentioned how two things can exist at the same time. We love that. There are two different perspectives that exist at the same time all the time, awesome. Um, and so I did wanna take this opportunity, unless you guys have anything else to say about the things that we've said. Um, to sort of move forward a little bit with that sort of social piece of things. And um, I was going to mention that in terms of like, 
life, I've struggled a lot with social anxiety. Um, and so I've, like I said, I've been really, really lucky to meet y'all and have the support system that I have in place at amazing. I think I'm the luckiest person like ever. Um, and so I, I learned that like I was able to form support groups with people around me and that was like an amazing discovery um, and like really helped with some of some of those aspects of social anxiety that I was struggling with, but also like finding that balance between putting pressure on other people and things like that was really important for me because I did lose some friendships because I was putting, I was, I was that vulnerable person who was always needing help, always expecting the other person to drop the phone for me because like I just needed so much support and seeking all of that support for one person was not not fair to them, honestly, like, I get why they needed to put some distance. Um, and so boundary setting is one of like the biggest interpersonal like things that I've learned in life in general, like you have to set boundaries with yourself, you have to set boundaries with your environment, and you have to set boundaries with the people around you. And there is like ways to do that in general, like I have specific TV shows and books and things that I like, but make me really sad when I read or watch them. And so I have to set that boundary with myself. Like if I'm going to do this, I know it's gonna put me in this mood. So I'm only gonna do it for X amount of time. So that way it doesn't impact me negatively. And like sort of setting that boundary surrounding that. And for boundaries with other people, exactly what we were talking about with in terms of like venting or, um, listening like setting that sort of boundary with your friends and being like you know what today this is the boundary that i have i don't want you to say anything to me i just need a space to talk and that's my boundary or for me physically i have a little bit of a problem with like people touching me um that's a thing i'm working on currently but like i have to set that boundary with a lot of new friends i'm like hey so i'll do handshakes i can do a hug but if i'm upset please don't touch me <laughs> like if i'm upset i need space for a minute and then maybe i'll come to you um, and so like informing people of what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with really does impact like your quality of life. And um, yeah, so boundaries are something and you should never be afraid to set boundaries. Like I said, you're never a burden. You're never taking up too much space. Like you are here on the world to take up the space that you exist in. And so like, if there is something in your room that's really bothering you, like there's a hole in the wall, set that boundary with yourself and be like, okay, I'm gonna fix it because I know this is bothering me. So this is the boundary. Boundary is if this doesn't get fixed in X amount of days, then this thing is going to happen and sort of like working with yourself on these things. I don't know if that's necessarily a boundary more is like a reward, negative thing, positive, negative consequence, but um, especially with other people, letting them know where your comforts are and letting them know where like, like I wore an outfit with you guys to the beach the other day. And I was like, this is out of my comfort zone. Please hype me up because I'm so uncomfortable here. And y'all did a fantastic job. I love those pictures. One of them is my new screensaver. Um, Wait, I'm gonna change it happy. to mine now. Um, and so know. I'll show you later. Um, but yeah, no, so it just, it's really, really important to have that like open communication and boundary setting. Yes. Wow, that was so well said. And yes, I'm, I'm going to change my lock screen eventually too, because those are amazing pictures. Um, and yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of add on to the point where you were saying about like, you can't watch like sad things and like, I don't know when you're like, or something about like knowing what makes you sad and stuff. And I think like, this is just like a thing like that was really interesting to me when I was like reading Dan's book is like, how it was saying like, okay, take like the time to make a list of like things you've done in a week and rate them from like one to 10 of how good you feel. And like, so I did that. I made a list of like interactions or things I had done. And then I rated like, I was like, 
this makes me feel sad. This is like a two. This is like, I'm frustrated. This is like a three. I saw this person. This was like a nine. And I realized that like in my list, the happiest moments I had were when I was talking to other people. And so like, to me, that made me recognize, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like happiest when I'm socializing or like have interactions with people during my day versus like if I'm working on code all day and then like don't talk to anybody. So I think like making that list or like some way to kind of like recognize what makes you happy, like take the time to like, like if you're feeling good about something, like keep that in your mind, like this is what makes me feel good. So like, and then know what makes you feel, knowing what makes you feel bad too can help you avoid like some of the malpractices or like situations in your life that like might making might might be making you feel bad if you can like if you have the opportunity to kind of change that and like focus on more positive things so yeah I just I just thought that was a really good point to bring up <laughs> boundary setting also involves taking breaks so you know setting a boundary for yourself with how long those breaks are going to be or setting a boundary for yourself for taking breaks at all so you know just doing that, knowing yourself, learning what makes you feel best. I love that you've been doing that, Shruti. That's fantastic and amazing, like, introspective work. Good job. Wow, you're making me feel so, like, good about myself. I didn't God, know I just this much credit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So as we transition into this next part about how, like, things that we do to help when we have these negative things and things that we do to sort of cope with, you know, distressing events or distressing circumstances. Um, it's just important. Like if someone wanted to look it up and figure out what these things are, just look up coping mechanisms and they'll be there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And before I kind of start off this section, I do want to say we did like touch on anxiety a little bit, but like, well, it will, we'll probably make like another episode or have that more as of its, of its own in-depth topic um, because there's a lot with that. So just to like FYI, like we're not just brushing over it, like it's nothing. It'll probably be revisited in the future. <laughs> there's too much to touch on in one thing. We yeah. that's a whole other there's there's so much experience in our little group of friends with anxiety <laughs> that I think it's it's worth delving into it on its own. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and again, just to like to a, a disclaimer with all this, these are like coping mechanisms and stuff that have helped us like. We're not experts on it. So like, don't feel like if you don't, if it doesn't work for you, like you can't fix your mental health or something. Like there's definitely like other things you can do um, that like work for you. And it kind of just takes time to figure that out. Um, so yeah, I guess I can kind of start off. I, something I really have been getting into a lot this year, which I also mentioned in our twenties episode is like exercising and running. Um, Running especially has always been a place, not not always, I hated running like in middle school. Um, but this past year actually, um, I've been running a lot more and I just like put my music in when I'm running and it's like a really great way for me to clear my mind, especially like when I was doing it on campus, it was so nice because like it was in a space and environment I really loved and felt a part of. And like, not that I don't at home, it's just like a different environment, you know? Um, and it was really, it was a really good way for me to clear my mind and just kind of like be connected to nature and like the world and like my physical body. Um, and yeah, and kind of going along with that, like focusing on my breathing a lot when I'm stuck in negative thoughts. So like, I realized when I was running, cause lately I've been like having some thoughts kind of intrude when I run. And I like kind of didn't like that because I like to have running as a space to clear my mind or like 
even with exercising. So what I started doing is like, I'll push myself a little more. So I have to focus on my breathing because otherwise, like, like if I don't push myself to a good limit, then like, I, I feel like I'm not like working hard enough or something, or like I'm thinking about other things and it like disrupts it. So when I do that, when I push myself a bit harder or like try and run a little faster or something, then I'll start focusing on my breathing to help like, I don't know, help me like maintain my pace or like when I'm working out, like maintain whatever like thing I'm doing. Or even like when I'm in bed at like 12 a.m. just like crying or something, I'll like start breathing a lot. And I think it really helps because like when you focus on your breathing, you can like, it, it helps to kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Amanda can probably describe it later, but like, it, it's very, it's just a very like fundamental physiological response, I think that really helps calm you down. And so that's really something I do a lot. Um, and then like, just like listening to podcasts, I'm just gonna, we've already plugged Brene Brown like so many times, but yeah, like unlocking us is really transformative and something like um, one of my program directors actually recommended to me and has been like really helpful. And um, also just like reaching out to you guys, like you guys have been there for me a lot this summer and I appreciate that so much, especially because like things at school were like with people at school were so bad that like, I just like, I felt so alone at the beginning. And like, I'm really glad that I took the time to kind of just like talk to you guys about like where I was and like what I can offer you too, because I, I've been trying, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I try every time I text you guys about something going on in my life to be like, so what's going on in your life? Like, how do you feel? Because I don't want it to always be focused on me. Like I want everyone to be able to like talk to me too, not just me venting to someone about their problems. So like reaching out to you guys has definitely helped. And that goes like back to the support system again. Um, wow. Okay. Last, last point. Um, so yeah, I, I, the last thing I will say is I took a lot of time for myself this summer to like educate myself in like the workshops at like NIH and like I was mentioning earlier like learning about the distortions and like just being a resilient scientist um and then like even like the whole like seeing a therapist I I made appointments like with the counseling center in my school like this summer to like kind of like just talk through some things um with like the free sessions I had available and I started journaling and like practicing naming my emotions so like I'll write down thoughts I've had that like I that feel negative and then I'll like be like what am I like or like even just past thoughts I've had and then I'll I tried like underlining them and figuring out which ones they were um and yeah and then I've already mentioned Dan's book so many times so I highly recommend that great thank you Haley for that <laughs> beginning of the summer it was really great um and a technique he mentioned that I think is really important because like I've been struggling with focusing a lot this summer and that's hard for me because I think of myself as a very productive person and like I don't know working in an environment where some weeks were really slow and like it wasn't school where I had something every minute to do um there would be times I would just sit in front of my computer and like think about hypotheticals in my head for like an hour and not like have anything done so like uh, one thing that he mentioned that I thought was like really cool is like for immediate relief if you're feeling in that like stuck point I guess and like everything's kind of crashing and burning or you can't focus or something um focusing on the present and grounding yourself to the present is something that like can really help it's like been helping me um 
So it's like, in, in that sense, it's like tuning into your senses. So it goes back to like the breathing and then also like maybe what you see, what you hear, like really focus on what you hear, what you see and like even touch and smell. So like sometimes I would like take a candle and like just smell what's in front of me. Um, so yeah, those are all, that's a long list, but yeah, those are all things that have helped me. If you guys want to piggyback or like discuss or talk about yeah. any, <laughs> I mean, me. you already know I'll be piggybacking on Dan's book. <laughs> that I think it's one of my favorite books um, of all time as of now. Um, it's just really digestible and it breaks it down to needs to um, making sure you're stable in the future and everyday life. And it's just really good. So it's, yeah, if you have time to read, it's a great choice um, to start with. And just like learning and reading in general is a good thing and coping mechanism as well. But if you have no time to read, you do have time to breathe. But like Shruti said, <laughs> Breathing is a really good um, coping mechanism and something that you can do to relax your thoughts and mind. Um, and one thing that I have heard like over and over again in like different like meditation apps that I've tried, I don't meditate. I just like listen to stuff to relax. Um, but I guess breathing could be in a similar yeah. realm, but you breathe in, you take a deep breath in, then you hold for like six seconds. And then you take a slow breath out and you do this till you feel calm for about a minute. Usually it's all it needs, but if you need longer, do longer. And the more you do it, the more you can focus. Doesn't work for you, Amanda? No, okay, oh, it I works just, for me. I so it's my, it's my practice. I just have a, I have a truthy, um, <laughs> made a note that she like she wants to try meditation and um I am not a meditation person <laughs> however mindfulness is something that is definitely like something I practice so yeah I love that you're making I was actually going yeah to mention that yeah so I cannot do meditation either I my thoughts run too much I don't understand it um but it it is always like talked about. It's like always do meditation. But another simpler thing to do is mindfulness, like Amanda just said. And being mindful is just to acknowledge like what is physically like around you and focus on those things. And so like you could just be walking and acknowledge like the 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 path, the the flowers, the people around, and like how it smells and stuff like that and focus on like your environment and stuff like that. And just like everyday things or you're folding your laundry and you're, you're just being mindful and folding your laundry or driving and focusing on that driving or cooking or coloring, you know, stuff like that in your everyday life that you can just, yeah, live in the present. Um, and that, that will help you stay mindful for just a small part of your day. Um, I have trouble falling asleep. So like I mentioned, I listen to like meditation apps and stuff. And recently I've had the podcast called Wake Up Wind Down. I don't listen to the wake up one because I don't know how to just like suddenly do that. But I listen to the wind down one and it's like relaxing and it's like 10 minutes and then I usually just doze off to it. It helps me like 
not focus on like my thoughts and stuff. So if you have trouble sleeping, it might help. But if you don't like noise, it's not for you. Um, <laughs> another one is to call someone you're comfortable with talking to if you need someone to just listen or talk to like we've talked about before. And then if you need therapy, know that therapy is always an option. And lastly, to remember to have self-care or mental health days in times of stress, it's good to remember to take time for yourself too. Haley, I really like how you have here. Um, I don't know if you mentioned it, but like, like you said, like just because someone has it worse off, like that should. Oh, be an I excuse. might have missed it. Oh yeah, yeah. You said like so basically, like Haley was saying, like just because like if someone has it worse, that shouldn't be like an excuse, or like maybe not an excuse, but you shouldn't feel like you can't get help too. And I think that's like a really important thing because like I actually listened to it in Brene Brown's podcast about like comparative su suffering. Um, and one big point that she was making was like, you can't have empathy for other people unless you like have empathy for yourself. Like you can't, you can't go around spreading empathy and understanding with everyone else unless you like focus on yourself too. And like, it was also going into a lot about like comparative suffering and like how it's just like not great to compare your suffering to someone else's um, because like that's not what fosters like understanding and like empathy again. So um, it's definitely okay. Like even if your problems aren't the same as someone else's problems, they're still problems and they're still valid. So I just wanted to make that a note. Love that point. All feelings are valid. Pain is relative. Like everyone's perspective is different and everyone exists in their own version of life. And there's no way that we can fully understand like what other people are experiencing. So making those assumptions that like, oh, they're so much worse off than me. I should be feeling better than them. Or I should, I should, I should, I should. That is called the cognitive distortion fam. Saying shoulds and woulds and coulds, cognitive distortion. So recognizing that and sort of being like, okay, I am valid too. It's okay. Even if I didn't do this thing, that's okay. I don't have to be this other way. I shouldn't, I don't need to say that I should be this way or I should not have done that. Like that's not necessary. Um, I think is such an important thing. So yeah, that's great. Love that you oh, mentioned that. Wait, I just found a note I made. I think I put it better in these words, but I don't think you can contribute meaningfully to society and your communities if you don't believe in yourself. So like working on inner peace and happiness is just as important as your outward success. So yeah, and then yeah, what she, I think the line she said that I wrote here was like, um, that like when we practice empathy with ourselves and others, we create more. So I really like that line. So I wanted to mention it, but yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. I haven't listened to that yeah. specific podcast, but now I'm going to. Um, yeah, me too. That's <laughs> so great. So coping skills for me, I love coping skills. It has taken me a long time to like learn to employ them in a useful way. Um, I was someone initially who had such high levels of anxiety that it was difficult for me to ground myself enough to even recognize like what was going on in the world. Um, love them all. Coping skills are amazing. They're not going to work for every individual person, but um, it's definitely something that I, I suggest everyone to explore. And for me, I like a distinction between passive and active coping mechanisms. That's something that I've been exploring more recently um, in terms of 
distraction to me is a very passive coping mechanism. It sort of takes you away from what's going on at that moment. It takes you away from the emotion. It doesn't address it. It doesn't expel anything, but it does give you that time to sort of process and come back to it. Um, whereas for me, active coping mechanisms include things like punching a punching bag, writing out what I'm feeling, actively getting that energy out in a different way and redirecting that energy. And so I personally find that depending on the situation, I would prefer like an active or passive um, type of coping mechanism. And honestly, it depends on um, like the specific like power of the emotion, if that makes any sense. Because um, I, when I'm angry, I'm very like much into active coping mechanisms. Like I feel like I need to get the anger out. But when I'm anxious, I find myself needing a distraction because I'm not ready to address it yet. I find myself like, depending on the type of feeling I'm having, just utilizing different kinds of coping mechanisms and recognizing that not every coping mechanism is gonna be good in every situation is really important. Um, I've currently been learning about DBT, which I mentioned earlier, which is dialectal, dialect behavioral therapy. Um, and they've been we've been working a lot about like coping skills versus crisis responses and so um everyone has a threshold for what they can sort of handle in a day so if someone who is a very highly anxious individual to them missing the bus for school might be a catastrophic event that might be something that like is really terrible for them like they they have breakdowns i know that i've had breakdowns for being late before um because like that's like a thing for me and so in those times it might feel like a crisis and so instead of saying like oh my gosh i'm so anxious i'm just gonna go watch netflix and it's gonna go away that's a time when i'm so worked up i'm so overwhelmed that i need to use something called a crisis response which is basically like all right, there, there, there are a couple different kinds, but they bring you back into the moment so that you can like level, bring it down to a place where you can use those sort of coping mechanisms. And so some of those include like dunking your face into ice water or um, <laughs> yeah, that actually stimulates your um, parasympathetic nervous system and gives you the feeling as if you're underwater. And there's like a lot of very interesting like physiological reasons that that's helpful. Um, I wouldn't suggest it to anyone. Don't do it longer than 15 seconds. You're not supposed to, um, but not unless you're in like crisis mode would that be necessary for me i employ something called stop which is very easy but basically what it is Haley will remember this situation because i called her right after i was at work one day and i was talking to my therapist um via zoom because i nanny and so it was a time when both the kids were at school i thought the parents were away the parents have told me that i'm allowed to take calls in their house anyway so it's not that big of a deal but they didn't know i was in therapy and so i flipped my absolute like beep and um was not okay <laughs> for like a full day and I like had a full-on panic attack because I was really worried um because the mom had come in while I was on the phone call and I didn't realize that and so she had heard or I thought she had heard a lot of my conversation with my therapist and I was really concerned that she was going to think differently of me and so I like was not okay I was shaking I was hyperventilating I couldn't breathe I like slid to the floor tears coming out of my eyes and I was like and I had to like physically be like, Amanda, you're at work. We're going to stop. We're going to take a step back. You're walking out of that room. You're going to go outside. You're going to weed. So you're not even in the part of the situation. We're going to breathe. We're going to do whatever. We're going to think about what is the best thing I can do in this moment. I'm going to, I identified my feelings were telling me like, I really want to go and beg for her forgiveness. I really want to like go and, and grovel at her feet and just like tell her that I'm so sorry and beg her not to fire me. But stopping myself, removing myself from the situation, letting myself be like, okay, that's not going to be helpful. So I'm going to go back to work. We're going to just get through the rest of the day and we will process this on the way home. 
And so to putting that feeling on pause was so extremely difficult. And Haley got the phone call on my way home where I was not okay. But, but employing those crisis responses can be really, really helpful and really important. And um, learning how to stop yourself when you get to that level is a very difficult very acquired skill. So for those people who can do that, amazing. I'm still working on it, honestly. Really proud of that one instance that I have. Only example. Um, but yeah, so I think that it's important to notify to yourself like what level of emotion we're at, what kinds of coping mechanisms work for us at that level. Um, and yeah, just just overall coping mechanisms are great. And because and just because you have to use a coping mechanism also doesn't mean that you're like weak or anything. Like that's something that I also struggled with for a little bit where I was like, oh man, like I really have to practice box breathing every time that I enter a social situation. And box breathing for anyone who doesn't know is you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and then do it over again. And um for a long time I was like, afraid of people learning that because I was like it shows that I'm weak it's not that you're weak man everyone in the world is adapting that's what humans do we're literally the only species who knows how to adapt and build things for ourselves and that's why we're human guys we have that logical thinking in our brain so if you find something that works for you don't be ashamed of it like use it you you are a human and that's like amazing and use those skills that you have a human have to make your life as amazing as it can be because why not like what's stopping you from being awesome yourself that's it wow that was so i i'm just out here like snapping and like applauding yeah. like you are so amazing like that is like you were saying that is so hard to do in that situation and you did it like you questioned your thoughts like you did everything like that i would want to do and like that is so cool. Like, I know you tell me, like, you look up to me a lot, but, like, Amanda, I honestly look up to you, like, like, equally. Like, so that is so cool. Um, and, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for, like, joining us for this. It was definitely, like, so much more enriching having you here, and both of us really appreciate it. Thank you guys both for having me. I love this topic. It's, I literally could go on forever and ever. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy. This was so good. I think you were really insightful. It's really great. Um, I hope everyone was taking something away as we were today talking and learned something to better themselves in mental health and wellness and realize that you're not alone. And maybe you can even relate to the things that we go through and do ourselves. Um, just remember bettering your mental health takes time and patience and it's not always easy and it's most definitely not perfect but also remember what works for one person might not work for you but never be afraid to try something new and all the best on your journey and until next time